Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. We are at the DLD AI Summit in beautiful Munich in Bavaria. Talking AI, lots of talk today at the conference about the potential of AI for the creative community, for writers, for filmmakers, for poets, uh, and of course for musicians. But most of the people here are tech people, business people, investors. One person, though, is representing the creative community, my guest today. Uh, Nicholas Molinder is a longtime uh, songwriter, uh, entrepreneur in music tech, and he gave a very interesting speech today on AI, new opportunities for creators. Uh, Nicholas, the creative community seems to be very radically divided on the potential for AI. For many, it represents just one other way in which their income and their opportunities are going to be undermined. For others, AI will be a, an essential tool for being better creators in the future. Where do you stand in that division, or perhaps you're in the middle? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I mean, first, I don't want any technology in the world to change how people make music. I mean, we must f never forget what drives the majority of all creators, not only music, is passion. I mean, passion is so important and no machine in the world can replace passion. So, I mean, I think that technology, I mean, technology in general, historically, have, you know, has always been helping creators, always. Uh, and now we see what that technology can do now with, with AI is insane. I mean, it, and the question is, is it help or do it for you? Lyrics, for example, if you, I mean, use ChatGDP. I mean, I do it. I, well, you know, at least to get from a blank paper to to something and then start. So, if we use AI technology uh, as help, as more as a co-writer or a, a creator friend, then I think it's good. Uh, but I'm also, as you said, I'm really worried that machines will take replace humans in the creation of music. I mean, that happens already, we see that. And that will affect how human creators will get credited and paid for their work, and that worries me a lot. We seem to be going through a new internet revolution with AI. The first internet revolution in the 1990s uh, wasn't, I think, mostly so great for the music community. Of course, you had Napster, you had the wholesale theft of content online, which in many ways the music, music industry never seems to have recovered from. In what sense do you see the AI revolution as a repeat of that first wave of digital innovation? Many people were excited, many fortunes were made, but ultimately when the smoke cleared, the creative community, musicians, bands, didn't do so well out of it all. I mean, just I'm, I'm 51 years old and I mean, how many distribution formats have I been through? I mean, for my own music, yeah, I mean, I started with cassette and vinyl, it then went over to MP3 downloads uh, and now streaming. So, I mean, that's a huge change in how music is, is consumed and distributed. Uh, but we, in, in, as long as I've been around, I mean, 
different kind of new technology comes and goes. Of course, as you mentioned, MP3s and, and download really shook the industry big time. And so, but we get out of, you know, we got out of it and we, there was a new solution that came out. Uh, but then since then I've seen a few other things come and go. Blockchain was one of them. I don't know how many years that there was only discussions in the music industry about blockchain and now blockchain is going to help us to change everything. Then NFTs came and that was a really short one. I, of course, that type of, of, of way of selling and, and buying uh, music will hopefully be there in the future, but it came, came from nowhere, was on everyone's lips for a few months and then quiet again because AI took over. The difference this time is I really think it's going to happen, you know, not only in music, but what, what this phenomena AI is doing right now, it's insane, it's everywhere. Uh, and we see direct outcome of what it really can do uh, for us. So I think this one will is here to stay for a very long time. Nicholas, remind our viewers and listeners of, of your own career. I know you've been involved in some very interesting startups, including uh, one with a, a strong ABBA connection. <laughs> You're from Sweden, of course, so that might not be surprising. How did you get into the industry and what exactly have you been doing for the last 25 years? Yeah, so I, I mean, I've been in the studio for over 20 years. You know, my, I was so passionate about creating music since I was like a teenager. So there was not even a question about what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, today, lucky enough, uh, young people that grows up today, especially where I live in Sweden, and, and but in many other countries, there is a much better environment from an education perspective that you really can start studying music early days. But for me, that was not the case. So I had to fight really hard to, to be able to have music creation as my profession. Not least my parents, they thought that I should do something else. But so I, I worked as a music creator for so many years and I've been creating music for, you know, for, for many big artists around in, in the world. And, but I was always frustrated because I didn't really understand what was going on behind the scenes. When I got my royalty statements, there were always too little money. I expected more. I couldn't really understand what was going on, what was all this information. Uh, so therefore I decided to, you know, do something about it. And of all the problems I saw in the industry, that was one that no one was really talking about. And that is the only people in the world that knows the truth about who did what, where and when on a song, the information we need in the industry to be able to pay them and, and credit them are the creators in the studio. No one really cared about asking them when they were creating the music. So since I'm a creator myself and I was so frustrated because I saw this and I, no one was asking me about it until way later, six months, one year, two years later, they, I got the questions and no one remembers back, you know, what happened six months ago because then we've been creating so many other new songs. So I came up with an idea of building a technology, an, an app for, for phones, of course, but an app that is available on the tools on, that we create music on, on the computers. Uh, and that tool is called Session Studio. I had the great opportunity and honor to start this company together with Bjorn Alveus, one of the ABBA members, and also Max Martin, which is, is the world's biggest 
uh, pop songwriter and producer uh, right now. So with the two of them, we started this company many years back and uh, we are now many years later finally getting into a situation where we're changing how the industry works and how the industry manages all this data. So that's one thing we do. And the second thing we do is that we also are in the education space. We have a foundation called Music Rights Awareness Foundation. We started that because I came up with an idea of building a scalable uh, awareness education platform for creators, a digital that everyone, it doesn't matter where in the world you are, you should always have access to the right information. So with this idea, we have partnered with the UN and the UN agency WIPO in Geneva. Uh, the platform is going to be called Clip. It's going to be released uh, in the end of October this year, free to all creators in the whole world and over time also available in many languages. So we're in that space at the moment where we help creators get credited and paid. So you're in the, the creative industry. You understand the act, the process, the economics of creation. It's inspiring and also, as you suggested, frustrating when you're not rewarded. How do you feel about the way in which these new AI engines have been trained. And there's increasing pushback from media, from newspapers, from creative artists themselves about withdrawing their content from platforms like generative AI that are learning their trade, they're learning the act of creativity, learning language through other people's work. Would you be comfortable with these AI engines learning uh, how to be uh, Nicholas Molander uh, without your permission? <laughs> no, absolutely not. And this is a big issue right now. And uh, two sides of it. We, today there's Thousands. There, there, the numbers now we talk about one over 100,000 songs every day released to the market and it's just increasing and machines are of course going to be a huge part of this and since the royalty models are mostly based on prorata this dilutes the whole system when we get too many songs there will be less money to to the humans that are actually created if machines start out so that's one aspect of it but you're right, a, a machine cannot create a song in an empty algorithm. That machine, that AI algorithm needs to learn from something. So let's say that one algorithm listens to 6 million, 10, 15 million songs, and then creates a truth of what a song is, and then create one song. How do we split the royalties? I mean, of course, we cannot say that this new song created by a machine is 5% that song, 1% that, half percent. It's impossible. But in theory, this new song could actually be registered as a, a copyright protected new work, but it is actually created based on a lot of other already copyrighted uh, works because it could be not happen otherwise. So is this an infringement or is it a new original musical work? We will see a lot of case, law cases in the future around this. I, don't, I, I have no idea where it's going to go, but I don't want my songs to be used, even if it's fragments of them, 
without me being compensated for it. Of course not. The great artists, though, of course, are great borrowers. Uh, you can think of Steve Jobs, and particularly one of Steve Jobs' heroes, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan borrowed, if that's the right word, liberally from many other artists. Uh, the same is true, of course, of the Rolling Stones. They, 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 they uh, digested an entire tradition of the South to make their music. In other words, is this any, any different? Every creator, whether they're a writer, a filmmaker, a musician, a poet, uh, are borrowing from the past. So if, if this new technology is, is trained on the creative work of the past, does this represent any difference? And when uh, Dylan or, or the Rolling Stones uh, sold their records, they didn't give any portion of it back to the original artists who inspired them? No. So what we're talking about here is, is an AI algorithm the same as a human brain when it comes to creating IP? I mean, I also borrow things. Sometimes I don't even know that I do it because I have heard something that is in my head somewhere and I, I just, it just comes out and I don't even know where, where and when I've heard it, but it's there. So that is one way of it to happen. And sometimes creators, of course, borrow or steal from each other. So morally, yeah, but yes, it's kind of the same thing here with the machines. Yes, uh, it is. The, the difference is the scale of it. If machine starts doing it, they can listen to more songs and remember more things than human brain ever could do. And it produce so many more songs than a human can ever do. Um, but we also need to see it from a legal perspective. What we call a song is actually two things. It's an underlying musical work and it's a sound recording and the two of them together creates a song. For a musical work to be copyright protected, it needs to be original. Uh, and that's where we need to start discuss. If, I mean, of course, Bob Dylan's or, or the, the Stones, if, I mean, if they borrow things, they have registered a new musical work as an original creation and they got away with it. So why couldn't a machine do it? Yeah, I, I, it's a tricky question. On the sound recordings, on the other hand, you cannot steal anything from anyone else's sound recording. On the other hand, a sound recording don't have to be original, so there the law is a bit uh, uh, hard to, to judge what is right and what is wrong there. But I think that we, we need to keep control of the amounts of songs and uh, always come back to that. It might be the same thing as a human brain, but the amount is going to make the problems. Niklas, what advice would you give a, a young musician just starting out, trying to make a living with the dream of, of, of becoming a professional musician, even a famous musician, mm. in this new age of AI? Should they mostly try and stay clear of it? Should they embrace it? Or do they need to steer a middle course between the two? First, I, I would never ever even bring up AI when I, if I would like to give advice to a music creator. I would say that believe in your dreams, believe in your passion, create music. Because when, when I'm in my studio and I'm doing something that, I, you know, that goes really well, that's no other feeling is better than that. So 
create music gives you something that is amazing. So that that's what I want to talk talk about to young creators. But if any creator wants to have that as this a sustainable profession, it also needs to bring in money. So now we can start talking. What do you need to do in addition to to your music creation? And my strong recommendation to all creators out there. Be aware of the administration side of, of creating, creating music. Be sure that you know everything about everyone that you create this music with. Uh, so everyone can be found if, if there's money to be received later on. And here we can actually start talking about tools that are brilliant tools out there that helps connect people, helps finding information if there's something missing. Uh, but I would... so I. Do it because you love it. Be aware of the administration side of it. And use any technology you, you like. Uh, and, and if it's AI or not, I, I, I don't think that's important here. Cultural pessimists belabor about to enter a, a new winter of cultural discontent mm -hmm. where no one will be making any original music or writing of their own. Others believe it could represent a new renaissance in, mm. in, in the arts, in creativity. Uh, again, both those are probably rather vulgar ways of thinking about all this. History usually figures out a middle path mm. between those extremes. But how do you expect it to change the music, to change, indeed, what people want to listen to? It seems to me, perhaps as a rather reactionary boomer, that music's become, even pre AI music to become increasingly thin synthesized and made by machines. So in many ways, things might not change on the consumer end. Mm. No, it's interesting. So if, if I put on my consumer hat, I mean, I love it how it is today. I mean, I can get any music anywhere uh, and quick. And I don't even have to choose because the distributors are so smart now. So they figured out what I like. So as a consumer, brilliant. Uh, and what people love create music and there's super fans out there. So of course there will always be human created music, uh, but we will see so much more music generated in other things, in other ways, by machines, by AI and, and with new technology. And, and I don't want to be against everything because I think blame games here are not going to bring us forward. I, we can never stop technology. I mean, we've, we've tried that before in the music industry and it doesn't work. We just need to embrace it, do the best we can of it. Uh, so I'm, I think we're going to see a bright, bright future, more music from more people and maybe new opportunities for people that never ever thought that they would you know, wanted to create music, maybe can do that because the technology will provide them opportunities to do that. So I'm embracing it, I'm taking it all in, but I would want to make sure that it doesn't replace people and dilute out people creating music so no one get any money from, from creating music anymore because compensation to human creators is very important. Because I take your point on the consumer side, when I was growing up, the idea of having all the music in the world for 10 or 15 or 20 dollars, high quality, on platforms like Spotify or Quovis would have been 
uh, unimaginable. How do you expect it to change these companies' business models, the Spotify's uh, and the Apple Music's of the world, given that the, the, the product can be essentially created for nothing? Mm. Could you imagine music becoming even more affordable? It seems outrageously affordable even now. I mean, you can do Spotify for free if you mm. accept advertising. And how do you expect this to reshape the relationship between advertising and music? I'm guessing it'll be a great boon for the advertising industry itself and for the industry of mm. producing jingles. Mm. I mean, Worst case scenario, uh, as a creator, uh, I mean, if a distribution service know what I as a consumer like, I think we can will see distribution services that create music for me on the go. Right, automatically. I mean, I can see that automatically. We won't even have to ask for it. It knows it's, it knows our taste. It knows our buying history, our listening history. And maybe not just the music and movies and books mm. and politics. So it can shape a soundtrack to our life mm. automatically. Yeah. And that is scary and also exciting. I mean, of course, as a consumer, I would like how, because as a consumer, why do I listen to music? Yeah, I want to be affected emotionally. I, uh, and and if, if, if what I'm hearing comes from, a machine that makes music in real time for me to, you know, give me the right emotions I want. I mean, of course, I'm looking forward, looking forward to that. But I think we will see more different distribution services. I think we will see distribution services that are specialized in human-created music. There might be also uh, streaming services or other distribution channels that only distribute machine-generated music. So, and also discussions I hear now that I think is interesting. Even if there's a distribution service that have both, will I, as as a consumer, be able to see with a mark physically, like see something or hear something that indicates that this is a machine-generated music piece and this is human? Uh, and should they have the same royalty rates? Should machine-generated music have a royalty at all? Yes, no, I have no idea. But time will tell. But definitely there will be a lot of things going on. So like food, um, we look for labels, organic labels on our food and mm. manufacturers. Uh, marketers always seem to find a way around it. Every time you go to the supermarket now, yeah. everything seems to be organic. I'm sure the same will be true of music. Even an ounce of human in a piece of music, it will be, uh, it will be approved uh, on, on, on the human scale. What have you seen, Nicholas, so far? I mean, we're still in the very early days, particularly of generative AI. Have you seen any products that work that are exciting? What do you <laughs> use when it comes to AI? At the moment, I, what I've been using, which is in my own songwriting, uh, I use ChatGDP uh, because I, when I create music, my favorite part of it is writing the melody and doing the chords and the rhythms. My hardest parts have always been lyrics. So now I have a friend on my computer called uh, ChatGDP that can get me from a blank paper to something to work on. 
I never use a full lyric from a, uh, from, from, from a service like ChatGDP, but I can get fragments and that makes my head spin. And, and instead of writing a lyric that would have been taking me like a week, two weeks sometimes, now I can do it in a couple of hours because I get the ideas. So that I'm using. And since I, I uh, did a, a keynote here today regarding music and AI uh, at DLD, I, I, I was actually looking around and I made a couple of examples on stage today where one of those examples where I took a, I took a film clip from a, 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 a movie clip uh, that I just found and I deleted all the audio. And with a AI music creation service, with less than 10 minutes, I thought of like five, seven minutes, I got a piece that sounded like a big soup. What was the service? Uh, Ava, it was called Ava, I think. I tried two of them. I, I, uh, um, I, I'm, I need to double check what exactly what, what, uh, which one it was but, um, I used. But in those few minutes, a musical piece that sounds like a symphony orchestra, perfect in, in timing, the dynamics was amazing, exactly right, and license-free. I pay for one. Now I use the free service, so they still own the copyright, but if I want to use it, I just pay a monthly fee and I own it. This is going to revolutionize how companies and, and, and uh, uh, other, I mean, when you use music for commercial purposes, instead of licensing it and it you know, takes too long time to find all the right licenses to do it, this is going to challenge the, that whole industry and that whole part of the business. And, and it was fun, you know, it took, and it became really good actually. So that's what I've been trying so far. Exciting times, finally, um, because you, we, we talked about the idea of AI automatically creating soundtracks for our lives, mm -hmm. which would be a, a scary thought, but perhaps also an exciting thought. What would a, a soundtrack of your life sound like? Uh, I am a super fan of Sting, so I... I'll guess it'd be something with acoustic guitars because that's what I, you know, I, I, I love his, the way he's writing songs and it's all often guitar driven. So, uh, but I'm also a, a person with different uh, vibes and modes. So I am, one part of me is up there with full on. Uh, I, with high pace and a lot of heavy drums, but I also a person that needs to be alone and listen to jazz and chill and don't, you know. So I would really would like to hear what that algorithm will figure out for me to, to, to include, you know, the dynamics of my personality. So, but somewhere in between, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> 